0: This episode of The Chat brought to you by Somebody's Child, the latest CD from Judith Owen, pianist and singer-songwriter extraordinaire. Hello, you're listening to The Chat with Claire Fordham. I'm Claire Fordham, and you are?
1: I'm Tiago, the producer and engineer.
0: We are doing something we haven't done before. It's a two-parter. We're not encouraging this. I'm not saying it's going to happen a lot, but if someone is unbelievably interesting and has so much to say, we're not going to dilly-dally. We're going to get straight to it. We're chatting again with Bruce Lisker, who, who spent 27 years in prison for murdering his mother, or rather he didn't. And we hear his story. I mean, it's inspiring. How can he not be full of anger and rage? You'll find out in this exclusive chat with Bruce Lisker and his wife, Cara Noble Lisker. And part one is also available. Yes, it is, on iTunes and my website, clairefordham.com. So they can get the whole story. Oh yes, and then if you like it, share it with your friends. There's a lot to take in with this podcast, this particular episode of the Chat with Claire Fordham. I think it's time to put the kettle on. You will need a brew. This is big, this is important. Please listen, put your feet up. Put the kettle on, Tiago. We simply must applaud them The chat podcast with Claire Borden. Keep and another thing was that what one of the case was because you'd said I'd looked through and I saw my mum's body lying there and then they said well we have done an experiment and you can't see because of the reflection of the Sun yeah and that stood that also went against you yeah and then who was it who reenacted that
1: yeah and founded
0: that actually yes you can and it wasn't sunny that day
1: yeah yeah, it was so I had <laughs> so from, yeah. So, Detective Monsu initially, in that initial interrogation, as I said, when he listened to everything that I said that I did and then systematically said, that's impossible. One of his reasonings from, for saying what he was was that I've looked in the window. I looked, when I went out there, I looked in the window and you couldn't see your mom because of the reflection mm-hmm. and because of obstructions in the house. You just, you can't see that. So, trying to paint a picture of somebody who committed this murder, for the moment, and then looked around and said, "Oh, I'll say that I saw her from outside," right? And so that's what stood for years and years and years. And it was um, a combination. It was the LA Times. So the LA Times reporters Matt Late and Scott Glover, amazing investigative mm-hmm. journalists. And sadly, the LA Times and most news organizations don't fund eight-month
0: Investigation.
1: in-depth in, in investigations anymore. They just the budgets aren't there. They're all on the web now. It's not a, it's a different world. Tragically, because how many people are slipping through the cracks like oh, there yeah. was before they got on board? So they did a reconstruction, and it was them.
0: Wasn't it it was them, know. and it was Lots also,
1: and it was also Paul Ingalls, and uh, I believe Frank Terrio was our expert that we hired, who went out to the house with the new owners' permission, reconstructed the scene to the millimeter with laser measurement and precision um, where was the table they were able to because it's a it was a hardwood floor in our entryway they were able to look and it was still the same floor they were able to look at where the wood grain began and ended and pinpoint to the millimeter exactly where a planter which had since been removed was and how high it was to the millimeter amazing job and they built a new planter Paul Engels built a new planter to exact specifications they put it in place his wife at the time um, lay in a position um, where my mother was laying on March 9th, 1983, duplicating everything. And sure enough, I mean, it was as I said, you could see exactly. The uh, 48 Hours did a reconstruction as well. And so yes. there were three reconstructions basically it was the LA Times guys, and then forensically, for evidence purposes, Paul organized it. And my new attorneys at the time, who came after the attorney that came after the $94,000. Thieving. Debacle. Yeah, so there was another attorney, and then there was my final set of attorneys. Tell
0: directions. us about the snitch.
1: Okay, so in the 1980s, and um, I fear still, but in the 1980s and prior, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, who operates the jails and mans the jails, maintained this area of the jails where they segregated at-risk prisoners—people who were in for child molestation, people who were informants gang dropouts in a certain area, concentrated, and it was mainly snitches, and they called it the snitch tank. And they there formed this unholy alliance between law enforcement and the sheriffs and prosecutors, whereby if you were arrested for a high-profile case, more likely than not, you'd find yourself housed in the snitch tank, even though you weren't a snitch, even though you weren't a keep away. You were suddenly housed there, as was I. At 17 years of age, um, I've been removed from juvenile hall Against a court order that I remain in juvenile hall pending completion of the proceedings. I was I was kidnapped in the dark of night before dawn one day. Put in the snitch tank in a cell alone by myself. It's also illegal to allow juvenile and adult prisoners ever for moments to come into contact with one another. It's against the law. It's a penal code section or a welfare and institutions code section. I forget which, but it's against the law. And I found myself alone, a 17-year-old in a cell surrounded by two cells, which each contained two classified informants, and there were holes in the walls. It was a setup. And the first two of these inmates started asking about my case, and they were not very experienced snitches, and I got a really bad feeling about them. They were just slimy people. And so I stopped talking to them, whereupon they started screaming at me through the hole that I'd, I'd killed my mother, because they were they were asking for, you know, yeah, what are you in here for? Well. Yeah, oh. what are you in here for? I didn't we're do it. What you didn't you do? Co- murder. Oh, murder? Who'd they say you killed? So you think mm-hmm. they
0: knew? Or oh, they totally. Know. They
1: either already knew or I or I spoke with them and let them know that I was you know, wrongly incarcerated for the murder of my mother. And so they started screaming at me that I'd killed my mom and that I tried to eat her with a fork. And they were just trying to torment me. So I was hiding, literally, these are enormous cells of the hospital rooms. It's a hospital section of the jail. So I was hiding behind, like, the third bed away from that hole in the wall, right next to this wall, where this other snitch starts talking to me through. His name is Bobby Hughes, Robert Hughes.
2: Sounds like
1: they had a good cop, bad cop thing going on. Could have been. Could have been. I think they were more selfish than that, though. I think they were all vying to be the one who testifies against. Yeah. And so, long story short, he's, I'm a Christian, and Bible study, and I was a bad person back in the day, but I'm a good guy now, and, you know, and, and so we wound up talking, by the end of the conversation, he had told me he knew a lot about lawyers and courts and how things were, and he'd be happy to take a look at my, any paperwork that I had and try to help me with my situation because he knew that I was innocent and, and, you know, it was just so apparent and he's, and he wrote down key facts out of the police reports and then claimed that I had confessed to committing the crime, which was the subject of all of these details. And so he had a very compelling claim that I had confessed to him. And complete bullshit. Um, but he he then contacted law enforcement, and what these snitches do is they want an early release. They want to spring themselves, and so they'll agree to testify against you. The prosecutor loves it because what more compelling evidence? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like you know pot boiler stuff. It's like you know it's it's so mystery did he go novels. To court? So he testified against me in court numerous times and claimed that I had confessed. Did to he him. get
0: an early release?
1: Got about nine months. Knocked off his sentence, got out nine months early from a much deserved sentence. Oh, I just yeah. thought so,
2: another good guy, yeah. good girl. What, what was I was going to say. The, the, even worse than that was that both Bruce and his father had talked to this mm-hmm. snitch. Yeah, Robert. Hughes. Yeah. And his dad, they believed that he was going to help them until literally the moment he was on the stand. He was
1: going to. He he mm. knew that the other ones on the other side were snitches who were trying to develop a. Acclaimed confession against me the ones that started yelling at me and he said "I'll, I'll, I'll help you You know cuz I know Bruce is innocent and my dad like visited him there in the little jail section and and put a couple bucks on His book so You're he could buy me. a razor because wow. he said I don't have anybody. I don't have any money and this pathetic You know human being like, you know victimized my dad You know
0: There's another and, good and, guy. And, I just and, thought of a good a good girl. Yeah was the one of the jurors at the original trial mm. Mm. she did she? She always had doubts, didn't
1: yeah. she? Yeah, Lorraine Maxwell was her name. And she died
0: um, recently, didn't she? She died
1: about three years ago.
0: But she. Four, I think it is. But yeah. she did. She was thrilled when they were released, and she Absolutely. said she always oh. had doubts.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. She she cried. She was the one. So the reports way back in the day, I remember that that there were reports that it was a juror that cried in the hallway after the after the verdict, and and she just we came very close after my release and we would have lunch you know mm. as often as, as possible and she was this tiny little thing and she was just like withered with age and like leaning to one side and about four foot nine or she something. was cheeky she was she was cheeky. Yeah, she, she was, was
2: so lovely just
1: cheeky sense of humor she really did.
0: Keep calm and chat on mm-hmm. when anyone is let out of prison you're given just a few dollars, isn't
1: it? Yeah yeah so when you're paroled uh they give you two hundred dollars gate money is what it's gate money because there's a gate.
0: And then it's, thank you very much, good day. Thank you
1: very much. Keep and I trouble. had, I think, another 250 or 300 on my books, my commissary account. So they gave me that. So I had, you know, And few, then that's it, thank you bucks. and
0: good day. Yeah. No it support. Is. Thank he wasn't you. done for I missed, no, no. Thank you. Was, I missed the thank you. I, um, yeah, it was I missed
1: the thank you. I didn't get <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <Was laughs>
0: yeah, there, sorry about that. Was there a thank
1: Was there a oh, sorry? Sorry. I didn't get that either. So
0: you come out and No
1: apologies, by the way, ever, by any of them. Anyone. Any... No law enforcement, no prosecutors, no attorney general, no prison system, and it wasn't the prison system's fault, but zero apologies. In fact, um, they always stood by their
0: Yeah, because if they say, oh gosh, we copped up, then they had to pay you more money. Mm -hmm. Now also, this is another, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. Many people, and this is the thing that is so, of course, I'm sorry for what happened to you, but you're not alone. It happens to many people, mm-hmm. thousands of people are yeah. wrongly imprisoned for many, many years. Yeah. And you can be released after 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. when you've been proven innocent. And then they offer you an X amount of, pounds per year in prison that if you accept there and then it's done and dusted but it's not very much is it
1: it's not very much it's a hundred dollars there's a statute in california that provides for a hundred dollars a day for every day that you're roaming but unless it's a dna case unless it's just so obvious and they they have no you know arguments they don't award so the attorneys the fine amazing attorneys
0: we didn't even bother with that but you wanted the big bucks so the point the point is if you go it wasn't that it wasn't but, that. But it, was futil- it was,
2: up but but you, you, it was the futility. But if you, but if you
0: accept, the, if you accept,
1: then you sign. Then a, that's it. You're done. You sign a but quick if claim you then against put any, a
0: claim, it yeah. can take years. Oh, it does take years. Which it did. How yeah. many years was it?
1: It's you know you file you make a federal lawsuit of it literally. But you, it took and, you six and years. And it took uh, six years before they they were forced to the mat, and uh, you know they that they had to, and they don't settle these cases unless they they have to. some prisoners
2: are found innocent. Finally, and the authorities say, "Well, we're not going to let you free unless you sign this awful plea, which is that you won't ever sue us. We'll let you go, but we're, all, we're still going to say you did it. Sign here." That's what happened in the um, Memphis Three. In the
1: Memphis Three. Yeah,
0: it's in extraordinary. It's, isn't it? it's
1: outrageous. It's so outrageous. You, you, and they're, and they're, they're looking at exposure Sorry. at that point because they're lawyers, mm. and you know, they, they just oh, how, how are we exposed to this? And they're trying to minimize their exposure. And when in reality, they're not dealing with the human aspect that you fucked somebody's life up for close to 3 decades. How dare you, you know, rest on legalities. It's it's outrageous, you yeah. know? And and here's the thing too is that simply because somebody's innocent and in prison for a long time doesn't mean that you, that they have the ability to sue. You have to show that your civil rights were violated which requires a showing that they consciously violated your rights. It's, They'll try to bring up yeah. all kinds of nonsense, yeah. and, and that was my worry with that silliness. Yeah, you have to show that they knew that this evidence was exculpatory and withheld it or misrepresented it anyway. We were able to, mm-hmm. to meet the bar to show that it was, um, they did violate my civil rights and, and rightly so. I mean, they, they just... So you
0: were released it, from it. prison. And you did. It it took. It was a few months before, or I think it was a few months. Correct me if I'm wrong. Before you became romantically involved with Cara, was it a few months or Mm -hmm. weeks? So, did you sow your wild
2: oats? Yeah.
0: A little bit. Well, i mean, yeah. Talk about, talk okay, about. good because I don't want not I,
2: enough probably. <laughs> Poor bugger.
0: Because I don't want him <laughs> to have gone straight from nothing. I know for twenty-seven years to mm-hmm. you. I think it's a good thing, but we won't go into yeah, details. No, it was a good there, thing. But you did, and then you you became romantically involved. Yeah, and. Can I ask, I don't want to be too personal, but then um, what are the main issues in dating someone who's been locked up for 27 years?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, there must be some,
0: I mean, because you can't, trust, even though you trust. sound I mean, trust. so sane, yeah. it, it, there must be issue. I mean, for the, this, I don't know why I'm picking on this, like it's a big deal. There were no cell phones. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably didn't have a credit card. I mean, cars, so, yeah, all I mean, of, well, you did drive, yeah. but, what were the things that were most shocking to you
2: in the oh, real God. world? Oh, God. There's way more cars on the road now. Right. Um, How much yeah. things cost? I mean, How you came out with some money. And you bought a car, a cell phone. You got your teeth done. That was it. Your um, money was gone.
1: Yeah. Right. It got clothes. Um, I went in a kid, and I came out, a 44-year-old kid, mm. with a lot of intellectual growth having yes. taken place degree and a very specific sort of emotional maturity having taken place but i didn't experience all the same thing prison is a twisted microcosm of the world out here where like good is bad and bad is good and it's like if if you're a prisoner and and a staff member like leaves the room and there's something of you know thievable you know value you're supposed to steal it and i i didn't you know but you have to be careful, like, to do the right thing in there because it'll get you in trouble, mm. you know. And well, so that, that whole yeah, that whole like backdrop, you know. And you know, I mean, I I, I want to depolarize the whole like snitch issue too. There's bad snitches like Robert Hughes and the, the scoundrels um, who falsify confessions, but there's also like I, I've alerted staff a couple of times when somebody's life was at risk because I came to know that because I'm a lifer and, mm. and people trust lifers. And so, you know, doing the right thing. I was always willing to do the right thing because fundamentally that's who you are, you know, going through this as an innocent person, but you got to be careful about being a good person in there. But I, I maintain my humanity, my humanity yeah. and my integrity because of my dad and because of Kara and the people. And Dora. Who are yeah. And who, and to my mother's memory, it's like, you know, they're saying one thing, the system says one thing, you're responsible for murdering your mother. But, the reality of it, the heart aspect of the issue is that's my mom and she was murdered and, and it's so, so charged, like to go to board and to have them sit across me.
0: I can't even imagine. But so what were you thinking? I know, <laughs>
2: I've
0: been married before. How many times have you been married before?
2: Tw- was, Twy- three, three times my, before. I
0: think it's my fourth. Your fourth, I can't, yes. And so, so you must house. have thought, I, I know come, this I, time. I, time yeah, forth, yeah, this time. Forth, <laughs> I fourth times a charm. At uh, this time I think I'd like to marry a man who spent twenty seven years in prison. <laughs> what did you must have had doubts? No it know, was a mistake. I honestly
2: never no I did, did have her. doubts. I just sort of just I had a connection with this man and it just seemed to be made in heaven for me. Mm. You you guys definitely got the love blue,
0: but it's not been easy. There's been challenges. No, it's not easy. I mean, not having the money. I know it took you all those years for the money to come through.
1: Well, yeah, and I was was, was virtually unemployable because, you know, if you answer truthfully on a job application and that one question, it's different places on different forms, Mm. but it's always on the form. Um, Have you ever been arrested for a felony? What's the truth? Yes, I have. I've been proven innocent and exonerated in 2000 and you write that in a little tiny space provided... But I never got any callbacks. But you
0: did work for several years. I did
1: work. So there was a a family member. My my god brother employed me at a film restoration Mm. house in Hollywood, thankfully, for several years. That didn't last. Also, um, you went to school for a bit. I just remember that. I was in Mm. college. I did Santa Monica College for studying web design. And I was doing websites there for a little while. English studies. And and then an English class, which I liked. Yeah.
0: and you've had some extraordinary adventures together. You like the old Burning Man, don't you? Oh, you got, did you get married? times. At? No, you got married.
1: got married in San Diego, but you yeah. got remarried at Burning yeah. Man. Yeah. was and that Burning
2: Man. And then
0: <laughs> but it, and it wasn't easy for you wait until the money came through, which not that you two ever told me, and I never pushed you for it, but of course it's it's common knowledge now that that you... You were finally. And what do you call that money? Compensation. Yeah, the settlement. Compen- the settlement. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was ju- just over seven, seven million dollars. But yeah. what people don't realize is that you had to give half. How much? A percentage? fourteen um, percent. The
1: final attorneys who represented me. Uh, my deal with them was for forty yeah. percent, and then Paul um, didn't want to deprive me of, you know, the majority of mm. whatever was ultimately to come. So he he was in for nine percent. Mm. So 51% of 7.6, minus the expenses, hundreds, a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars in expenses, um, which were paid to experts preparing for the, oh, gosh, you know, on top. A, a new trial.
0: So then you got the chunk, and then you have done what a lot of people, you took a lump sum, and then you've spread it out over 30 years?
1: I did. I, um, an annuity is, annuity is what it's so. called. So you, you contract with insurance companies who underwrite annuities. And you basically hand over everything that comes. It's, you never have mm. constructive possession of this this money. It was just uh, three. It was three three million something, something, something. 51% yeah. of the 7.6 yep. minus expenses. Mm. And so I kept out what I thought would be what we needed to spend for the first year in cash and was yeah, it enough? No. No, it was not <laughs>
2: enough. No, it was not enough. It was about, Sadly not. It was about seventy
1: thousand dollars shy, which <laughs> we racked up in money. credit card debt. <laughs> And but I gave all the money to the insurance company underwriters the and they pay me a monthly. It's but not. It's we're not rich. No, no I know. That's what enough. I wanted to it's make. Yes. Yeah. It's, you, it's a wonderful.
0: It's a wonderful home, yeah. and it is a wonderful home. And a, and a good life on each other. But you will, I am aware that you give a lot back, and you have not walked away from um, people in your position. You are actively involved in helping other victims of injustice, and you mm-hmm. support charities You with your time. You yep. give talks. Yep. And the thing for which I am most impressed and proud of you, if I may say, is what you are doing with the girls who were incarcerated juvenile, for life, the yeah. juvenile hall. Can yeah, you tell us about you. that? There's an
1: organization called Inside Out Writers, um, they're on Vermont and in Los Angeles here, and they have a number of volunteers, and they go into the juvenile halls in the probation department, and they sit with kids in the units once a week on Saturdays and conduct creative writing classes, because it's very important that, that people write in a, mm-hmm. in a crazy situation. They need some place to vent. They need, And it's a good skill to have... Anyway, I mean it really it helps you in life and if you could write a persuasive letter, you know, it's very it's a very vital skill and
2: I'm also
0: proud, it's cathartic, isn't it? Just to get your stories on well,
1: completely, you know, and And, and so he takes candy, they like that. Aww. and I bring him candy.
0: And he never and misses, he goes every week. And can you tell us about these girls who are in there?
1: Yeah, they're in for a range of um, things. Some of them are there are situations in, in foster care that, you know, they were in foster care and it didn't work out. And so as wards of the, the city, the state, the county I think it is, they um you know they'll be taken and put in there. So it's everything from that to people facing very, very serious, you know, murder I mean, charges
0: from, or, uh, or and you did have a fairly lucky life, of course, you were I know, ironically adopted and, and there is something which is another discussion but called the primal wound apparently okay. someone I wonder if you do harbour some pain Oh, well, the
1: primal wound is like a it's like a it's like a it's like a it's, oh, we're it's really, a, a very yeah, it's,
0: it's, important it isn't it I think it's it's it makes sense yeah. a, it, it really, makes really does so much sense
1: to understand a lot of the situations <laughs> it's just it's a fantastic insight into the adopted mm. um, soul did you ever analysis. try to
0: find your biological parents?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned that my dad was at court every single day, and the only other person who was at court every single day um, was a guy with the same last name as we now know that my birth last name was. Do yeah, you think he there, was your. I bio... think there. Was, I don't know what the relationship was, but it's definitely that family, and and.
0: So maybe he had a, a daughter or something. Yeah. So
1: and... yeah, I mean the. the adoption came about when my dad went, had a client who came into his office one day and said my daughter is pregnant and I'd like you as a lawyer to arrange for the birth mm-hmm. father's family to pay for all expenses you know regarding the pregnancy and uh, then to arrange for the adoption of the baby when it comes and me and my dad and my mom had tried to have kids and couldn't and so there was like that want but that was a number of years before, yeah. and then suddenly my dad just you know light bulb went off and he was like, "Here's our child," and came home and, and told with no warning my mom. By the way, and I think we're adopting, and she was like, "What?" But How she, old she, was she she got yeah. uh, so that when I came home, my dad was 39 and my mom was 49.
0: Right, Okay. Yeah. But she she kept up with the, having a young kid, and she was a she good mom. Kept,
1: kept up as as well as somebody our yeah. my age yeah. at this point could, and and uh, yeah, I know it, it was it was great. But it referring was great. back to
2: the primal wound, which yeah. is an incredible book, and yeah. I recommend it to anyone yeah. who is involved with or knows or is adopted. Any adopted child is taken from their real mother. It doesn't matter if it's a day, a week, yeah. or if they're in care for many years. They're still going to live with that wound because they're tiny babies and they don't understand.
0: Well, the, when you're, uh, whatever way you dress it up, and I'm sorry to rub salt into a very large wound, a primal wound, is that she gave you away. I mean, sometimes they're taken away, but she might have given you up and so there's an abandonment thing. Yeah, the abandonment, Does he a fear of abandonment? We both do. <laughs> no, it's yeah, interesting because yeah.
2: I think that's part of Why the attraction. Wow, the attraction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the process of being ripped away from, the very place that the only conceivable place for you to be. And suddenly you're ripped away from yeah. that. So I was ripped away from, you know, as all our adoptees are, ripped away from you know, the birth mother, mm. and, you know, chemically, you want to, you know, smell everything, yeah. and su- everything you,
2: you well, want.
0: The, it's the fact and that then, you have feelings on a cellular level. Yeah. There's,
2: there's yes.
0: scientific evidence to Proof. show that, yeah. that, that, that is so. And mm-hmm. now the, and what I was going to say about the girls who are, uh, that you're, teaching and helping they it's an accident of birth isn't it i mean you did have a fairly good start Mm -hmm. but again circumstances one could argue if you hadn't well i do think if you hadn't been a pot smoker it wouldn't have happened it could still have happened
1: right right you know it wouldn't have happened because if you look at the the chain of events it was my parents seeing their child and pot was looked at quite a bit differently then than it is now. Mm. Pot was, you know, we have this pot smoker, we have this kid who smokes this pot yes. and and we need to take him. What do we do? We need to take him to a 12 step program. Mm. We needed to, to get some help, some intervention. I was a participant of that 12 step program where I met Mike Ryan because of that. Oh really? That's mm. where Mike Ryan came into our lives.
0: Oh, for goodness and so he
1: approached me before one of these 12 steps. I already had my car and I pulled up and he was sitting there on a curb and he walked up and um and said i don't have a place to stay do you know any you know and i was like, yeah. i would have never been at that meeting my mom would never have met somebody you know like mike ryan they would have never likely in all likelihood i mean it could have been a chance meeting in some supermarket mm-hmm. one day but odds are i mean really really strong art that had that not happened that my mom would not have been murdered and i obviously by extrapolation wouldn't so
0: what advice would you give to people who have are enduring an injustice
1: be your own best friend don't be your own worst enemy because friends are precious for you I think you intrinsically learn to realign your priorities and things when you're when you're in a crazy situation like that don't give up keep fighting mm-hmm. don't ever give up all momentum is for you to give up. All momentum. is It's so much easier to give up. You're surrounded by a bunch of other incarcerated people, and you look and you go, hey, if he could survive this thing, I can. And so you go, oh, okay, well, I'm just doing this thing. And suddenly years go by, and it's very easy for it to happen. It's almost inevitable for it to happen, what do you think? What do you
0: think should be done to improve prisons? Oh, God. Is that another <laughs> Make
1: rehabilitation a priority. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, well, what do you want to mollycoddle these people? No, it's not mollycoddling. It's, it's are you serving a societal need? That's what the prison system is there for. There's far too much involvement of victims, families and parole board hearings. And that's a hands on, you know, face to face kind of a thing. But backing up from it, the whole prison system seems to have taken this what about the victims? Let's treat these prisoners commensurate with the victimization imposed upon society and individual victims. Let's do that because we all know retribution just, it feels good to do it. It He's owed that. Eye for an eye. You know what? An eye for an eye makes everybody blind. Where does it end? Mm. So make rehabilitation a priority. I have this whimsical thought that, you know, stop moving and transferring people. You go to a place, it should have a plethora of trades and good things that you could participate in, and that should be encouraged. And you should go to a place and do your time there, barring a need for family you know, closeness to transfer so visitation can occur. But the lion's share of prisoners should stay in one place. And thereby, you could, you could say this, we're going to offer bonuses to staff, all staff who work at the prison that displays the lowest recidivism year in, year out, year by year. You'd see a whole different complexion of, of staff-inmate relations. You, you'd see staff members bringing in college pamphlets and handing them out to inmates, helping inmates study during dayroom time. And granted, they're supposed to be watching for security things, but there's a guard with a gun up on top. He could watch. And maybe, you know, get another staff to watch so that you could have more hands-on rehabilitative efforts being conducted. And they just don't. It's just not, you know, it's just...
0: Do you consider yourself one of the lucky ones? Oh, my God, yes. Not you, just because like i married. No, not just up,
1: all right? of that. I mean, there's so many ways that I'm lucky. I mean, it's it's one of the ways that I was experiencing, just starting with the fact that I'm alive. One of the ways that I was experimenting with drugs was with one individual that I met a few months, maybe a year before my arrest. And we. he was an intravenous drug user. And I was... This clueless kid who was like, oh, Janice Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison did this. And so I. And died. And
0: died. Well, you know.
1: They made a lot of of good music before they died. And that was mainly what I was listening to. And so I was, yeah, you're snowed. You're clueless at 17. So you did. So I stuck out my arm and I let her shoot me up. And so, and we did it together a few times. What was was it? Heroin. um, Heroin, I tried a couple of times. Um, speed was his.
0: Hey, you were plus a prop. That's not yeah. a bit of pot. That's a right. serious. Well, ex-
1: i like I said I'd experiment with most, oh, okay. every- most okay. everything. Most like everything, mushrooms, LSD, mm-hmm. up and down the list. But it, that was experimentation. As mm-hmm. was the the speed. He contracted HIV within a year of my arrest, and he's gone. He's long gone. And he was a mm-hmm. big, stout kind of a guy. He was a hardy individual, and he's he's gone. I didn't have any reason to stop hanging out with him. Just on a behavioral standpoint, I, mm. I would have—I could see myself having continued to hang out with them because, you know, I looked at it like, oh, big boy, you know, yeah. activities. Now, you know, you're seventeen. I, I was always trying to grow up too fast.
0: And where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Oh, here in a lovely house with a lot of more renovations done, a lot more stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very more,
2: handy. Lot more. Which is uh, very useful. He does all. Yeah. Well, yeah. he does loads of stuff all around here. I can't it's believe how many things right he to. knows how to do. Right, all learned from magazines. Hey. Yeah. And, then, and
1: YouTube videos now, YouTube videos. Shout out to YouTube. Um, but there
0: is one thing that I know you don't like doing, which I'm guessing, forgive me if I'm putting words into your mouth, is because you've been, you probably have a bit of claustrophobia. You don't like flying. I don't fly. Is that because of lack of? It's a to...
1: control issue. And, you know, when you're, when you have control, like rest from you, you know, by force of gunpoint, literally they give you no control in mm-hmm.
0: there. What do you like with authority?
1: Yeah um like relations with like police police st- yeah somebody you know, tells you what i to do. don't yeah i don't look and here's the thing too i'm just going to slip this in um, i'm not anti-police by any stretch they're absolutely necessary and they're a vital part of our you know societal structure and they need to be in place because people will break the law and they need we need you know but i am anti corrupt police i'm, I'm mm. very clear on that you know it's like if you take the oath and do it right you're taking the oath because and like I, I go back to it yet again, I, I, used, I was a Boy Scout for a while. You know, most police officers, I don't know the percentage, but a lot of police officers went on through scouting, became Eagle Scouts. And now they're, you know, police. It's kind of a it's a, it's an honest career trajectory and it's it's understandable. And they like to protect and, and serve and help people and do that. Don't be a criminal and steal a badge under false pretenses, knowing that you're going to cut corners like Monsu did, because that's all that you are, you know? And another thing I want to slip in here too about Monsu is that he's a Marine too, as was Bobby Hughes, Robert Hughes, the snitch. So my dad <laughs> and was not only a good attorney in comparison to the trial attorney, but he was a good Marine and it's ironic, I think. And I still haven't really figured out why this, this, Strange culmination of facts would come into play that a good marine and a good lawyer would be face to face confronted with bad lawyers and bad marines. Marines are fine people. They put the life on the line for other people's welfare. And these people were the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Mansu, by what I've observed of this individual, and Bobby Hughes, too, Robert Hughes too, were out from the get-go from a relatively very young age to cut corners, do what they could to benefit themselves in a selfish way, not put anything on the line for anybody else. Um, and that's just deplorable. That's, it makes me sick. You know, that, that one aspect of it, strangely enough, is, is one of the key things that comes up to me, is that as a Marine, you're better than that. How dare you? Disrespect.
2: And yet it was Monsoon, and Claire asked you about what, what aspect of your life isn't lucky And it's incredible that it was actually Monsu's mistake that led to you getting the lucky policeman and looked at
1: your case. It's So Monsu was responsible for putting me in prison. Um, And he was also responsible for me getting out of prison. And this is how that came about. When you're a life prisoner and you come up to go before the parole ward... um, The law enforcement agency and the prosecutor who prosecuted you, they're solicited for their opinion as to what type of a parole risk they think you would be. And are they in favor of parole or do they oppose? And so Monson would get these letters, hey, Lisker's coming up for parole, and he would write these letters. And some of the early ones were obviously written by him because they're just like every fifth word is misspelled and punctuation is random at best, like darts thrown at the page. He's not the smartest guy. But he would always be sternly, you know, against parole. And he would write things like, Bruce Esker should be kept in prison for as long as the law would allow, which is the rest of my life, for the thing I didn't do. something he framed before and knew it. And one of these letters, though, inexplicably, because, and it's just, it could only be out of hubris. It could only be out of arrogance that he wrote that subsequent owners of our house, where the murder occurred, where I grew up, had found the missing money that could never be accounted for that was stolen from my mother. And they had found it in the attic space above my old bedroom, confirming the police theory of the crime, removing all doubt, and you should keep him in prison for the rest of his life. Well, I read this. And decades ago, we knew my grind did it. My dad, everybody, you know, we all knew. And as did Paul Ingalls by that point. And I looked at this letter because you get to review your, your file before you go to board and see what all they're going to be considering. And I read this letter and I went, Oh my God! This is Mike grind didn't stop after murdering my mother and hide any money in an attic above my bedroom. This is nonsense. And so I contacted Paul, who tracked down through deed search all the subsequent owners, interviewed everybody to a person. No, we didn't find any money. We didn't tell anybody that we found any money. This is nonsense. So I was able to file with the LAPD an internal investigations. It's called a um, complaint of employee misconduct that <laughs> triggers an investigation of that. And so that investigation was assigned to a sergeant at the time named Jim Gavin, who did an honest and thorough almost year-long investigation. And I say a year because an employee, officer who's the target of such a claim, has the right to that be concluded in one year's time, unless they waive that. And so it was almost at the year point when it was ripped out of Jim Gavin's hands. After he had ordered the analysis of the bloody footwear impressions in the house, believed by looking at the photograph, that the impression on my mother's scalp was in fact a footprint, submitted that for footwear analysis as well. Both of which excluded me. That's when that came. That was early two thousands, and a bunch of other good stuff. Found further. there was no
2: blood on the shirt. Found that, was there, was, thing that there was there was no blood on for. the
1: shirt. That Monsu said there were spatters. Spatters occur when you're when you're blood. in the presence of a blunt force injury, and blood
2: mm. you know comes off in it. It very no specific
1: close. size spots and everything. Monsu claimed that there were those all over my shirt in a pattern that indicated I was standing over my mother at the moment She was bludgeoned. He said that in one of the early hearings in juvenile court and it was just outrageous Well, that was proven false so that the footwear impression that really gave us a lot of ammunition and that Investigation and that reinvestigation would not have happened were it not for Jim Gavin Jim Gavin wouldn't have happened Had it not been for Monsu writing that letter to the parole board, which allowed me to file the complaint So Monsu was responsible for putting me in prison for a crime I didn't commit, right. and, not intentionally, I'm not giving him <laughs> any credit, but putting into, <laughs> right, you know, by putting into
2: into motion the course of the
1: events that, that ultimately led to my freedom. And Gavin
2: was a good guy, Gavin's he good. just dealt with it. And he, he put his neck on the line, police like to stick yeah. after their own.
1: Yeah, and then Basically. was discriminated against by, you know, as far as promotions, he was not really? promoted. Yeah, he was not promoted, he filed a lawsuit for that against the LAPD during the course of which lawsuit they promoted him. And so by the time he got before his jury in his trial, he'd been promoted and, and the jury went, well, know, you, find that you were not promoted because you, are lieutenant now. Mm-hmm. And so he lost his lawsuit after doing all that he did. You know, for me, it's just, it's, 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 when,
0: it's, when it's, a, it's a spider's left? web. What of do charges. you like to do now that you couldn't do when you're in prison?
1: oh my goodness, Walking in a straight line mm-hmm. for more than a quarter mile. Do
0: you yeah. take anything for granted?
1: I try not to, but it's inevitable that, you know, you start to just, this This is now immersive, my immersive reality. That was my immersive reality for a long time. And mm-hmm. and you dream about, you know, what you'll do and the very first thing you'll do when you get out and, and all that goes out the window when they open the gate. And it's mm-hmm. just not all of it, but a lot of it, because we, we did go get pancakes at IHOP shortly <laughs> after. <laughs> he loves that, pancakes. I love, I love gadgets. I oh my god. I love I love Tools, technology..
2: Gadgets, I love technology.
1: our home our house, you see lights going on and off. our mm. Our house is <laughs> I'm into home automation. You know another fallout of of this is I can never be as assured as you are or as you are that the bottom will not fall out of my world mm. because it has. Oh, I think and I, so, I, think I could yeah. join you
2: on that one. <laughs> yeah. I think,
0: but it could happen. We know that it can happen well, we anyone. know.
1: Well, we know, but somebody who's been wrongly in prison right. has it at a visceral level, and it's part of their constitution. Oh, and so yeah. you could intellectually get around it, but it's that visceral bit that, that really... And so, like, we have cameras. I mean, after the settlement, one of the first things that I did, um, I bought, you know, I won't say how many cameras, but I bought a camera system, a video surveillance system, and installed it, and it's kind of... I find myself, you know, sitting in front of it going, ah, it's cool, I got this, you know, and looking at the screen and watching the, the cameras. And then I also, there's another part of me that's like, that's not, you shouldn't have to do that, but I do have to do that. Mm. So being a little bit hypervigilant when it comes to security and, and protection of myself and Kara and our pets. And I think that that's, had we had camera one, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this. Had my family had, you know, I'm that's very fun. I'm very wary of of people that I meet, there's something that you that you learn to do innately and you, you're not even aware of it, and that size up your situation always. You know, am I safe? Is there is there a stranger coming into my direct presence and are they do they look angry or are they looking at me? And no, they're not. Okay. So you, you're constantly like assigning this like risk, you know, schedule to like your world around you in any given moment. And it's very difficult to turn that off. So I'm I'm wary and I'm cautious about new people that I meet, I do seem to have the skill set that allows me to not be consumed by that, hampered by that, hamstrung in normal you know, interactions. People are like, I can't even believe that you were ever in. And like, I'm like, well, thank you. I mean, I, I can, <sighs> but I'm glad that I can act normal. And a lot of times it's, it's not an act, but if there's still at that level, you never fully regain the trust.
0: And how about you, Carla? Six years
2: on now. We've been married, yes, six—just six over years. six years. I've been married, just so we've been living together eight years. Eight wow. years, and then so. each other ten years. Yeah, yeah since we started writing, yep. we're still together. I bet there were people who said, "Well, that won't last." I'm sure mm-hmm. there were, but <laughs> they were wrong. Yeah, you know what? Goodness. There have been,
1: and there have been adjustments, and I take full responsibility that some of those adjustments were me. And um,
2: yeah, he had to do a little
1: acting out. You know, we've had,
2: we've learned some great lessons from each other,
1: don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that we attract the lessons that we need to learn, particularly in our choice and partner. We select the person who's going to trigger us because we need to make this growth, that growth, that growth, that growth. If it's, if it's all, you know, if there's no conflict and there's no, you know, resolve and there's no learning and growing, then there's none of that. There's just, it's quite boring. And so it's got to be
0: growing for us all. Yeah, I'm just—we're going to find a lovely place to stop because I've taken up way too much of your time. Thank you so much for this. I think this will inspire a lot of people. Do you have anything Most you would good. like to say that we haven't mentioned? Um,
2: right, human rights. Human rights. Human rights. Right to prisoners in prison. You British. might luck out and get one like I did. Yeah. <laughs> I got such a great one. And there, there are there are many people who don't who have nobody on yeah. death row. It's an English um, organization. It's called Human Rights with a W. Right to people in prison. Human can't Rights, be.
1: W-R-I-T-E-S. And it's it's a, it's, a really, it's a really great, I mean, I'm enthusiastically, yes. and so is CAR, anti-death penalty. Because if we can't ensure that 100% of the people who are convicted are guilty, what business do we have even starting the conversation as to whether or not we should kill them? So I'm, and CAR is, we're members, um, supporters of Death Penalty Focus, DPF and as are a lot a lot of people um, just countless people a multitude of people who are in the right place on the death penalty issue so DPF is fantastic human rights is fantastic inside Out Riders, all of which need volunteers and people so if you're of that heart and passion please contact them and get involved
0: thank you guys thanks Kate. oh thank my goodness, goodness my you. thank you we simply must applaud them, the chat box with Keep on. <sighs> okay, well, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted after that. I just, that, I find that fascinating for me to listen to again. I find it thought-provoking. I find it inspiring. What was your takeaway from it?
1: <laughs> I felt a little hopeless, to be honest because i mean the justice system is so screwed up and you know so many people get locked up for yeah. trump charges and for misdemeanors and it's you know much worse if you're a minority yeah
0: also murder is not a misdemeanor
1: well yeah, yeah but i mean you you know how yes. many people go to jail oh, I know. for i know and the it's most... all about
0: who has the do you have a good you know money Money. Yeah. Although he had money. Bruce had money. He was able to pay for, for a legal team and he ended up paying dear because he had to pay 49%. I mean, there's so many aspects to it, but the money thing is the least of it, I would say. The fact is, I do believe it could happen to any of us. So everyone go out, be thankful, be careful, get yourself a good lawyer, start saving. And the the other thing is don't go to court. Oh, I do want to say one thing. And I'm not saying this is a a good idea, and it didn't work in in Bruce's case. But by and large, there are statistics here that mostly a, a jury doesn't want to convict. So you do have a chance, more of a chance of getting off. That's a little bit like playing
1: Russian roulette. It is I don't Russian. Know. I
0: don't want to play. Good Lord. No, thank you. No, I don't. Don't go to, go, go to court. Lawyers. We don't want to, have to ever have to retain a lawyer. They cost too much money. Maybe marry one if you can. Could be useful. Thank you so much for listening. I think you'll agree that was a good one. Very, very strong episode. Very strong. Not that we've had any weak ones. Um, and we've got another one. We're ready to go with another one. Next yes. week someone else so inspiring. There's a little bit <laughs> too much death going on here. <laughs> but Kathy Eldon runs a company, a non-profit called Creative Visions, and she set it up with her daughter in memory of her son, who was a photojournalist, the youngest ever photojournalist for Reuters news agency, who was murdered by an angry mob in Somalia when he was covering the story. It's not depressing, I promise you, you'll be like, oh no, not more death and suffering, please. But it, it, this woman's turnaround of everyone, like, in fact, she'd go in the top, five most Mm -hmm. inspiring people I've ever met she's extraordinary if you have lost a loved one if you're ever thinking oh my god I can't go on this woman will get you doing something she'll get you back living she will inspire you she will give you ideas she's extraordinary Kathy Eldon next week Tune in. So thanks for listening. I'm going to ask you again, you're probably bored of it. On iTunes, leave a comment that says that you like it and it's marvellous to inspire other people to listen to it.
1: And you can also visit us on Facebook at The Chat with Claire Fordham where you can get more information on our guests, including pictures.
0: Yeah, and on my website, clairefordham.com. Okay, everyone, thank you. And tune in next week when I will be chatting with creative visionary Kathy Eldon.
1: And as always, we must remind them
2: to. Keep
0: calm and chat on. We simply must applaud the chat podcast with Claire Fordham. Keep calm and chat on. The chat with Claire Fordham is an M Squared production.